As we've been entered Advent, we've been trying to prepare all of us for this incredibly holy and beautiful season. We talked about not being too busy. We talked about not coveting. But today we want to give you what I'd consider to be a gift. And yet it's a gift I, or actually no staff person can give you, only God can give it to you. And that is the gift of being able to trust God so much that no matter what's going on in your life this Christmas, you're still going to find Christmas joy. I can't think of anything I personally have struggled with more in the Christian faith in this issue of our call to trust God, knowing God is faithful, and still not being able to do it so that we have so much misery and turmoil and stress because we don't think God's going to come through. did in the past, but he won't in the future. And we live in that stress. We lose our joy. We become negative. We become grumps. And so today, I trust God might give us a gift on that journey toward being able to trust him. Would you bow in prayer with me? Lord, we're so grateful that you're patient with us. You're always faithful. You answer prayer. We look in the past and we see how you've taken care of us 100% of the time. And yet we look to the future and we still doubt. Many of us are filled with anxiety today, carrying burdens that you should be carrying, not us, weighed down, stuck in the miry pits of despair. And Lord, we don't want to be that way. We want to find this joy that the Bible talks about related to the holy season of Christmas. So would you give us a gift this hour, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. One of you sent me a fascinating story last week. The writer was paying his toll at one of the bridges in San Francisco, and as he handed the guy the money, he heard this loud music, and looking inside, he saw the operator was dancing. And he asked, well, what's going on? And the man in the booth replied, well, I'm having a party. Well, later he thought about that dancing toll collector, and he decided to contact him, and he asked him out to lunch. And of course, his first question was the obvious one. What makes you so different from the other toll booth operators? And this was his answer. All of the other booths are vertical coffins. At 8.30 every morning, live people get in, die for eight hours, and at 4.30, like Lazarus from the dead, they emerge and go home. <laughs> for eight hours, brain is on hold, dead on the job, going through the motion. Well, then why is it different for you, he asked. Well, I'm going to be a dancer someday. And my bosses are paying me for my training. I, I don't understand why anybody would think my job's boring. I have a corner office, glass on all sides. I can see the Golden Gate, San Francisco, the Berkeley Hills, half the Western world vacations here, and I just stroll in every day and practice dancing. <laughs> now, out of 16 toll booths, one guy had figured out how to live. There's a lesson here, a lesson for us as we approach Christmas. Because you see, as usual, our emotions are running in all directions. The atmospheres in our souls probably are as different as the atmospheres in the toll booth. We go from boredom and dread to intoxicating joy, excitement, even a party. As Christians, I firmly believe it is God's will and he can empower us to make a choice to spend these next few weeks making Christmas the very best time of our year. 
not dreading it, not hoping it would just get over, not thinking because of what's going on in my life, I can't have a joyful Christmas, but just choosing in spite of circumstances, stuck in our booth, to have a perspective of faith in God that can make us dance no matter what's going on. If we could have that, that would be the gift I would have God give each one of you this morning. In our text, Jesus is talking about the eye. Studying this is a fascinating text, and we've concluded the eye is our perception of reality. And our Lord's words are a call to optimism to believers, illustrated, I think, by a bumper sticker I saw at Bloomingdale's the other day. It said, I'm feeling great, work is great, people are great, life is great. And I wanted to meet the guy who had that bumper sticker on his bumper. We need that kind of contagious, optimistic spirit today because there's so little of it. I covet, again, that gift for you this Christmas. That's what we ought to be radiating to the world when they ask, what can Jesus do for me? We, our answer ought to be, he brings us joy in the midst of this kind of world we live in. So let's look at our text. First, what is the darkness to which Jesus refers? The text says, if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light, but if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Darkness in the Bible refers to living without God, living without faith in God, without confidence that God's involved in what's going on in our life. And when you take God out of the equation of life, we become vulnerable to negativism. Life appears unfair. It appears overwhelming. Life is overwhelming without God because we were created to live in partnership with God. That's the only way we can survive here on this planet with joy. Negativism can take hold of our thinking so easily when we're carrying the load all by ourselves, And, and you know, it's, it's very um, seductive in a way. It can literally enter our life in all the, even the little places, ruining potentially happy experiences. It doesn't have to be big stuff. Like today, if we go to the game, parking at 3Com Park, and if it's difficult, can ruin the whole game for us if we allow that to happen. Or one aspect of a dinner ruins the whole meal. A delay at the airport ruins the whole trip. How many of you today in your relationships, in your family, through chronic complaining and discontent, are having the entire atmosphere of that home or that relationship ruined just because the virus of negativism is there, putting a shadow on everything? The Bible describes this darkness of negativism by stating the opposite. A glad heart makes a cheerful countenance. But by sorrow of heart, the spirit is broken. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a downcast spirit dries up the bones. As a person thinks in his heart, so is he. I believe Jesus had this verse in mind from Proverbs when he gave us our text about the eye. You see, Jesus is suggesting if we refuse to allow negativism to dry up our bones and drain our hearts of joy, if we can change how we think, how we perceive the situation you're in this morning by choosing to trust that God is there with potential interventions, that you're not alone, then indeed this Christmas your life can be filled with the light of new optimism and joy no matter what's going on in your life. It's like the guy having a party in his toll booth. And one of the hardest things to communicate as I work with people is that every one of us think we're the exception. Well, if you only knew the load I had, you couldn't give me that cheap cliche of an answer. 
If you were going through my pain, if you had had my experiences, you wouldn't just tell me to cheer up and tell me about a dancing guy in a booth. And what we don't realize is it's not the issue of what's happening to us, it's our refusal to believe God is involved and you're gonna sink in the mire if you live without a living trust in God. So I wanna ask you, how are you thinking this Christmas season? Is the eye of your soul distorted with the darkness of negativism? Do you feel like a victim? Have you left God out? Are you living with unbelief even though you take the name Christian? Or is the light of Jesus filling you this season with joy and hope? Why? Because you know God is alive, that he came here in the form of a child, that he's full of potential interventions in your life, and you know that because he's intervened in the past. And you know what? The choice is up to you this Christmas what kind of a Christmas you're going to have. You don't have to have your problem solved in order to have joy. You don't have to be healed. You don't have to have God come through in order to have joy. You can hold on to God in the midst of that storm and know joy in the midst of your circumstances. This leads us to a question. How do we change these lenses from negativism to expectation and faith. How can we break a lifetime habit of not knowing how to trust God? Jesus says the eye is the lamp of the body. Choosing to light the lamp of trust that God is involved in every circumstance dispels the darkness of our feeling abandoned, feeling alone, feeling it's all on us. Trusting God relieves the burden of carrying overwhelming burdens. And that's what's sinking your ship today if you find yourself in some kind of despair, if you're depressed, if you're overwhelmed, and if this sermon doesn't make much sense to you yet. I want to remind you a truth, and I'll probably tell you this as long as I'm here because I, I have it hanging in my office. I look at it sometimes every hour. It's this. Walt, do not feel totally, personally, irrevocably responsible for everything. That's my job. Love God. I, I just think that's one of the most profound things ever given to me because I need it so much because I'm a fixer. I'm a worrier. I want to be God and I play God's role a great many hours of the day and I fall exhausted. And this is one of the hardest lessons in my life that I'm not responsible. God is. You see, God gave us this promise through Isaiah. The choir sang about it. Fear not, you're mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. Why? For I am the Lord your God and I am with you. And whether or not we believe that determines the quotient of joy we're going to find in this life. I believe that with all my heart. So here's the bottom line of these words of Jesus. Will I wear the lenses of light or darkness this year? Trust or despair? Will I focus on my problems, my circumstances, or will I focus on God? Will I look out the window of my toll booth and see the golden gate and the mountains and the beauty, or will I sit in boredom and misery in my coffin? Our choice has everything to do with the joy and peace we're going to find in life and specifically in Christmas this year. In 2 Kings, there's a fascinating story about Elisha the prophet. 
The king of Syria, thinking this prophet was some kind of magical source for Israel's power in war, sought to capture and kill the prophet. So if you remember the story, he surrounded the Syrians, surrounded the city of Dathan where Elisha was staying. They had this huge army filled with horses and chariots. And Elisha's servant woke up one morning, looked out and says to the, to the prophet, my Lord, what shall we do? Overwhelming circumstances. And Elisha responded with these classic words, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those that are with them. And then the prophet prayed, O Lord, open this guy's eyes so he can see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw the hills around Dathan filled with horses and chariots of fire of God. Elisha wasn't alone. As Syria's army attacked, Elisha prayed. The whole army was struck with blindness and God delivered the prophet from what appeared to be an impossible situation. Why? The servant looked at the problem. Elisha looked at God and God's resources. And that made all the difference in the identical situation. One was panicked. Elisha was filled with peace. Here's the lesson. Today, as you look at the challenges in your life, what are you looking at? the problem or the resources of God. I'm praying this year God will give us the grace to open our eyes, not to the army surrounding us, but to the army that's bigger than the army surrounding us, to God and to God's resources, because we're God's children. God came here in Bethlehem. He's never going to leave us. And when we see our circumstances through the potential of God's nearness and God's potential interventions, Negativism and fear are replaced with hope and joy. That's how it works. You know, we've hung up this wreath again. You who are visitors, this wreath is filled with rosebuds who seven or eight years ago we gave to every person and said, hold the rosebud until an impossible situation in your life is brought about miraculously through prayer. Something that looks impossible today, pray about it. When it happens, send me the rose with a letter. Well, we've put up even more roses this year. There's hundreds of them there. They represent everything. Childless couples suddenly becoming pregnant. Single people finding mates. Wayward children coming back to the Lord. Terrible sickness being healed. Uh, jobless people finding jobs. Career changes. Uh, Grief-stricken people thinking they could not live one day without the one that they lost. Finding new hope. I could go on and on. But this year there's two of mine. We added. And I think they represent a lesson for me. I think through the years, the greatest thing I've, the greatest struggle I've had in the Christian life is trusting God. And these two roses represented uh, two things I was concerned about regarding my children. One was for a, my son's career, and the other had to do with marriage and this kind of thing with my children. And I think of the hours, the nights I agonized, the years that I just struggled. And when I put those roses up, I said, God, why? Why couldn't I have trusted you so I could have put them up in joy rather than saying, oh, and I spent so much needless energy. What are you worrying about today? Look what God has done. Why don't we trust him? Why do we just go on and on carrying the burden, having the worry, the sleepless nights as if, well, God did it for someone else, and God did it in the past, but he's not going to do it for me, and he's not going to do it for my children. And I can just tell you, 
I thought I would have learned my lesson when I had that moment of putting the roses on the wreath. I really haven't. <laughs> because even this week, I find myself worrying all over again about, about similar things. And I don't know why God doesn't put me right over his knee and let me have it. <laughs> but you know, here's the conclusion that I've really come, because I've preached on this subject before if you've been around for a while. I believe that we can't do this ourselves. This sermon is not enough simply to tell you to change your lenses to trust God. If we could, we'd all do it. What I've learned after all these years is I can't trust God. I want to, but I can't. So God has to do another miracle. He has to give me the ability to trust him. That's humiliating, but it's true. The answer is the only way we can get our joy this Christmas and get beyond our circumstances and trust God is to ask God, God, open my eyes and help me to trust you. I can't do it in my own strength. I believe he'll honor that prayer. So this year, I want us to decide not to be pessimist, critics, spouters of gloom and doom as we approach Christmas as if it was somebody else's fault we're not happy this year. These faithless attitudes leads to grumps. The Bible calls Christians to be the aroma of Christ, the aroma of hope and joy and optimism. It stands out like the one guy in the one booth that's what we, we need to be that obvious in today's world if we want to be contagious. Because you see, we serve a God who makes parties out of boring toll booths, out of hopeless situations. We serve a God who turns good Fridays into Easter mornings, a God who sent his son into the world to save the world the first Christmas. And you know what? He saved it. This is not a lost world. Jesus is Lord. So, in the words of the Bible, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. The Lord is at hand. Have no anxiety about anything. Radiate this kind of joy, hope and optimism. And people are going to come over here and ask what's going on at MPPC. But you know, you can't do it. And I can't. We can only pray God in grace to enable that miracle to happen to us. If you don't believe that, as you leave today, check out how long it's going to be before something negative enters either your mind or comes out your mouth. We might make the front door. <laughs> then catch yourself and ask God to replace your thoughts and your words with gratitude and praise and expectation of what God is about to do. Put God into the equation of the challenge you're confronting today and you'll change your Christmas season, you'll change your life. And best of all, Jesus will journey with you. Because you can't do it in your own effort, but with him you can. And remember, this is his birthday party. And he, above all people, does not want any grumps at his party. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, thank you for your encouragement. Thank you that you give us hope. And I pray that today you'll open our eyes to the resources we can't see so that we won't sit here thinking we're alone. Give us the miraculous ability to trust you and change us. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.